We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Well, I struggle with if it's actually day number two or day number three from here at the NFL Scouting Combine because it got kicked off on Monday for us in the Buffalo local media. We had a bit of a little exception to have Sean McDermott early because he had meetings all week. They were literally vacuuming the floor here while we were talking with him at the podium. And then yesterday was the official start of the NFL Combine. So it's kind of like day 2.5 here on the floor of the Indianapolis Convention Center. Welcome in. You're listening to the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. Shop online at NorthtownAuto.com. Sal Capaccio here and Zach Jones once again back in our Amherst studio. So Zach, day number, like I said, two and a half, and things start to shift now here. So let me just kind of set up the scenario and the scene for everybody. For the last couple of days, it's been coaches and GMs speaking. Today, defensive linemen and linebackers, the players start getting to going today. So now we're seeing a lot more of a groundswell of media kind of converge here because you're not just, you don't just get the beat reporters now. You get all the draft people now getting in on the floor. I mean, this this is actually why we all showed up. It's not the media gets to all hang out with the coaches and GMs. Now we get to hear <laughs> from the kids. But I, like now we're we're seeing guys like Chop Robinson, Tavondre Sweat. They're all going to be speaking. Yeah, I think, I think are Wayne's today as well. Yeah, I think, see, they go by position, and basically defensive line and linebacker are today to be doing their speaking and their weigh-ins, and then they'll do on-field stuff tomorrow. So what happens is while the positions show up, one day it's speaking and weigh-ins, the next day it's on-field stuff. It's kind of like a, a prize fight, right? You get together mm-hmm. for the weigh-in and you, you do all the media stuff, and then you wind up fighting a little while later. So that's what's happening. You're right, Sweat. Let me look at the board here, actually. Sweat, I think, is about to go here. Yep, he is going to be at podium number one. I'm sorry, group one. Let's see. Just reading this in real time. Podium four. Supposed to start at 10 o'clock, but that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So he literally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see Sweat. He's going to be probably about 30 feet from where I'm standing right now, to be quite honest with you. So that's what it's like around here. As I said yesterday, you're just kind of walking around, talking to people, and that's what we're going to do again today. Um, scheduled to talk with Brandon Kristall from Denver, covers the Broncos. He's supposed to make his way over here to chat with us a little bit later in this hour. Teron Davenport, Titans, ESPN Nation, uh, covering them. I just spoke with him. He's going to try to make his way here after he hears a couple of these defensive linemen speak. And then we've also already caught up with Vinny Bond Sr. for Raider Nation Radio. So we got a jam-packed extra point show for you today. Zach, what I want to start with, though, is to rewind to yesterday because we learned some things from Brandon Bean, or maybe we just kind of had confirmation of things. And there were, of course, a lot of things he didn't really elaborate too much on. But one player that I'm really thinking a lot about today is Tredavious White. Now, I asked him about the rehab of Matt Milano and Tredavious White. He said they're both rehabbing you know, really hard. They're attacking it. They've both primarily been in Buffalo. I think um, you know, Matt's gone down to Florida a couple times as well. But they've been in Buffalo rehabbing hard. I also followed up with, 
Like, how do you balance Tredavious White's cap number, his two injuries, his age, and knowing the kind of person he is and wanting him on the team? And I feel today, like I have over the last few weeks, which is I think Tredavious White's on the Bills next year. I don't know if it's at a $16 million cap hit. I don't know how they do that. I do not agree with some of the sentiment that they're going to move on from him. I don't think the Bills want to do that with Tredavious White. I don't think so either, especially like you brought it up there too, like the kind of person he is around the community with the team. He's been one of their leaders really from the word go. He's, he's Sean McDermott's first draft pick. They traded and backed and, and they got him, and that's kind of the whole Patrick Mahomes trade situation. But I wonder, because Brandon Bean, when he first started talking, he said he was like actively smiling when he heard that the cap was now $255 mm-hmm. million. They were doing, what, I think tests at like 240-ish areas. So they were prepared for much lower I wonder if a part of him smiling was realizing they did not have to go down that road or they did not have to have deep conversations about, do we move on from Trey? Instead, now it could be more of a, let's just rework his contract. We, we, he can be on the bills. He can still be here rather than the much you know sadder and, and maybe more kind of just cold-blooded approach of the business, which is he just may not have to be here anymore. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with that, which is the part about, maybe being able to do some things they didn't think they'd be able to do with the money that they kind of found. By the way, how, how crazy is that? I mean, I don't know how much money you've ever found in your pocket, but Brandon Bean just found $10 million yesterday in his pocket. I mean, or this week or a couple of weeks ago, I should say, because you're right. He did say they were budgeting in the 240s. So you think about that. That's a good $10 million they didn't really expect to have. Now, I don't know if that impacts Tredavious White specifically, but I do think it impacts the roster how – they may say, okay, maybe we have a few extra for A.J. Epinesa or Daquan Jones or Gabe Davis. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that necessarily. They just want to kind of move on from one or more of those guys, but maybe that's what happens. Maybe it's less restructuring. That's where Tredavious comes into play because on him, when I say the kind of person he is, yes, everything he means to this organization, the community for sure. But one thing that he talked about yesterday was, when you are a guy like Tredavious White and they know the character and the DNA, he's going to rehab harder. He's going to hit it harder. He's passionate. He wants to get back. You know in your own life, Zach, you probably have people you could point out and say, well, this person's going to try a little harder than the other person, and I would trust that person to get back a little quicker. That's the way the Bills feel about Tredavious White. Now, I don't know if Tredavious White's ever going to get back to being an all-pro, much less a starter, whatever level. I don't know. But I don't know if the Bills do either. But I think they're at least optimistic that he can still be a starting cornerback in this league, if not more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that's the thing, though, is partially as a fan, too, you're, you're waiting with bated breath because it did feel like right before the Achilles injury, he was just getting back to like what we had seen, and it was like, all right, here we go. We've got Trey White back, and there was and it, that, that game, the Miami game, was so important because they come off that 70-point performance. You're, ta- you're taking them on. There was such a big high and equally such a big low when he went down. I, Trey has been one of my favorite Bills of my lifetime. I would hate to see him go. I hope he's able to rehab more. But And, and Bulldog talks a lot about this in the afternoon, too. Him being so candid about his recovery process from the torn ACL has always kind mm-hmm. of left a spot in me of, like, you forget just how difficult of an injury it is to come back from. And it, and it, I don't want to say it scares me a little bit, but it always makes me wonder what's going through his mind for his career long term. Like I, I do wonder if he's had conversations with the Bills about I don't want to say retiring, but you know something along those lines where he even kind of knows. Yeah, it may not be you know 
that guy anymore. I, it's it, the Trey White situation is so fascinating because I think they they're good at cornerback, but a lot of it does hinge on like where Trey White is. Rasul Douglas will not be a free agent this year, but he only has one year left in his deal. He's actually older than Tre'Davious White, maybe a good year and a half older, I think, if I remember correctly. But either way, he's been pretty healthy. Obviously, he's not going through the same situation, but you have to kind of look at him and say, for what he did for this team, would they want to maybe even extend him? He's got one year left on his deal. If you extend him out, you can lower that cap number. I think the corner position is very interesting. NDBs, I want to talk about safeties today as well. But the corner position is interesting because you have Tredavious White situation up in the air. You have Rasul Douglas, who I think you're rock solid on. You just maybe if you want to move some money in some capacity. And then you have Christian Benford, who I think had a heck of a year for the Buffalo Bills last year in his second season. And the other question mark, though, where all of this is going to flow from is Kyrie Elam. What do you get from Kyrie Elam? And I think Tredavious's answer and Kyrie's answer which is the question of what you're going to get from them, what can they be for different circumstances, will impact how you feel about the rest of the position, including Christian Benford, including Rasul Douglas, and including the safety position. That's what makes this offseason so interesting for that position, DB overall, because there are a couple of different guys where no matter what the answer is on them, Zach, it's going to impact how you treat the rest of the roster. Oh, absolutely. And... We always bring it up to, or at least we see it on Twitter, just like some people bring up the idea that maybe Christian Benford be, uh, can be converted into a safety. Mm-hmm. I know when he was first picked out of Villanova, that was a big question mark of could that happen. I, I want to see the Bills resign Russell Douglas. He was a real big linchpin for that defense. Kind of an under-the-radar trade uh, on the deadline. And looking back on it, the Packers wouldn't have made that trade. I remember that was like my big takeaway that day is Packer Packer fans being so mad that like one of their yeah. key pieces on their defense was going. And at the time, it seemed like the Packers were doing so because they thought, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. Let's just go into a soft rebuild here. Like Let's just get ready for next year and let Love kind of you know mature a little bit more. And then he exploded, and, and he becomes the quarterback we all saw in the playoffs. And so now, like looking back on it, the Packers probably don't make that move. I think the Bills did get a little bit of a steal there just because I don't think he would have been on the market at all if the Packers had any sort of foresight. Right now joining me is ESPN Nation reporter for the Tennessee Titans, Teron Davenport. My man, what's up? How are you? Hey, everything's good, man. This is football heaven. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We had a chance to catch you up the other night because you were actually here for Sean McDermott's yeah. press conference. I thought that was interesting. Fans might want to know, why would a Tennessee guy want to talk to Sean McDermott? Why would you want to talk to the Buffalo Bills coach when you don't really have to be here? Yeah, well, I'm doing a story on the quarterback position and how teams interviewed guys and got it right. And I really like what he said about the body language and how he saw that in in Josh Allen and it was something that stood out. So I'm asking different ones. And Sean McDermott, his his, uh, high school, North Penn High School, my younger brother went there. I I got PHI, so yeah. Well, you don't have to... You know, you're not going to have a team drafting a quarterback in the Titans. They're pretty set with Will Levis, right? Yeah, Will Levis is pretty much the guy they moved up to get him. And you look at what they gave up; it's it's pretty substantial. You know, to move up into the the well, 33rd pick, the second pick in in the uh, second round. So. What did you learn from people you've talked to about the process of picking a franchise quarterback? Uh, there's a lot about the personality and the just the approach, the the willingness to take on that role of being the franchise, the face of the franchise, the way that you have to understand how you impact everyone on the team, like your actions, your body language again, and just the way you carry yourself. It, it's 
the team kind of rides with you up and down. And that's the main thing that, that I learned from, from these guys. And I also learned that some of them actually use personality tests, you know, to see how that guy will. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Match their core values of their franchise. Pretty interesting stuff. All right. A lot of changes coming for the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, Mike Vrabel is out. Brian Callahan is in. Obviously, the quarterback, they figure they're pretty set on, but the roster's going to change. Derek Henry, that as well. What's this transition been like, and how different will it be going from Mike Vrabel to another regime? Yeah, it's been interesting because you have just this mindset. Like, you know, you think of Mike Vrabel, you think of the bully, you think of Derrick Henry, you think of that physical style of an off offense. They're going to get a little bit away from that and go more to a passing style. Brian Callahan and this staff, you know, they're more about modernizing the offensive approach. So it's going to be interesting seeing how that works. That means, you know, a lot of these receivers that you're going to be Talking to the next couple of days are going to have to be on their target because the Titans have a big lack of, of receivers. And you look on the flip side of it, as far as defensively, the DBs, I mean, there's a lack of DBs there. Uh, they have to get basically just faster as a team and get more impact players. They have, you could count on one hand, you know, game changers uh, that they have. And then obviously Derrick Henry's situation himself. He's been such a great Titan for so long. Is he just definitely not going to be in a Titans uniform next year? I hate to say definitely. And you, you look at what Rand Carthon said. You know, he said that you know, they had a really good conversation leaving, and they're in a position where when it's time to talk to Derek and his people, they're going to do that. Derek Henry, after the Jaguars game, which was his best game of the year, by the way, you know, at 30 years old, above 53 against the Jaguars, second in the league in rushing. He feels he has a lot left. But he says specifically that his goal is to win a Super Bowl. Ideally, it would be to bring one to, to the Titans. I don't know if that's happening in the next couple of years. But he said, you know, wherever he has to go and whatever he has to do to do that, that's what may, uh, that's where he's going to go. So, yeah, the, the Ravens become a team that makes sense. We, we have seen teams with a lot of cap space approach it different ways where you can just be aggressive and say, we're going to compete now. Yeah. We have a division. Maybe we can, you know, do some things. We like our quarterback. And we've also seen teams said, let's take the slower approach a couple of years. What are the Titans going to do with all this cap space and where they are? Yeah, it's from what I've been told, it's going to be very calculated. It's not going to be reckless spending. They have positional values at, at, at different different spots. But the thing is, when you're the Titans and, you know, you, know, you look at Buffalo, like that's an attractive destination for free agents. You know, hey, I want to go play on a team that I know is going to score points because of Josh Allen. You know what I mean? It's not the same for the Titans, so they do have to overpay to an extent. They understand that, but it's, like I said, it's not going to be reckless. There's a lot of roster holes that they have to fill, but I think they're going to do it with the approach of, hey, you know what? We want to win a Super Bowl next year. We, meaning, like, I'm not saying we as part of them because I'm not. I got you. But, like, they, they want to win a Super Bowl, and they're going to approach it that way, but I think they're going to approach it with the, hey, we know it's a building process. So. And then finally, 
the AFC South, some young quarterbacks now. Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, what he did, and of course Trevor Lawrence, who I think actually had a pretty good year last year. Maybe hasn't reached the ceiling they want, but what's it going to be like competing in that division for the next several years? Yeah, I mean, it's you got a bunch of young quarterbacks, and they're hoping that Will Levis is a guy that could be on that same level, and it's really going to be about making sure that your pass defense is, is top-notch, and I think in getting Denard Wilson, a, a guy who you know was part of the Ravens uh, secondary last year that was really good two years ago with the Eagles. They were top pass defense. Having him in, in, in the D.C. role is going to help them. Hey, man, always great catching up. Thank you so much. For sure. Great catching up with you, man. And Tehran is one of these uh, guys. A lot of bald guys out here. We, 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 we share a same barber out here in, the, in Indianapolis. Thanks a lot, my man. You got it. That is Tehran Davenport, ESPN Nation, Tennessee Titans reporter. Yeah, how about that division, right, with all those young quarterbacks? And now they got Will Levis there, who they're pretty set on. And they should be, obviously. Zach, he did some nice things last year. They don't, they're not looking for a quarterback this year. Will Levis is such a vibe. Like I, I, like he just kind of throws himself at just the mercy of NFL defenses. But like he, I can understand why fans would really kind of rally around him. He came in his first game. He, I think he had four touchdown passes and just kind of lit it up, throwing the ball deep. I kind of like Levis. I I didn't love him coming out of Kentucky. Just I, I thought there was a little bit too many warts for for me to kind of gravitate towards him. But I can totally understand why Titans fans are liking him, and and personally, Sal, I really like that the Titans are kind of leaning into a full rebuild. I like Mike Rabel, but I do I do respect a team that is willing to just hit the reset button completely rather than kind of doing a Pittsburgh Steelers and just trying to hang right. on desperately to a 500 record. Yeah, I mean, same thing we just had. Jeremy had <clears throat> Matthew Collar on yesterday. I saw Matthew out last night, and we were talking about this. Very same thing with the Minnesota Vikings. His point is... They're just always going to try to win, even if they don't have a roster that's conducive to winning, which puts you in a position to not really get bad enough for a quarterback. We've lived that life. Now, look, I, I, I'm not Mr. Tank guy, right? I mean, I'm not, let's go to the bottom all the time. But I absolutely understand and think there's a point to you do have to, at some point, be able to pick high enough to get one of these quarterbacks. And if not, then you have to trade to be able to get up there. But if you're always trying to spin your wheels and win, and I love that. I love that philosophy. But you also have to know who you are, right? You have to know who you are. You know, in the Titans' case, let's go back to them for a second. The division isn't super daunting. I know what they have in C.J. Stroud in Houston and what Jacksonville, Jacksonville was supposed to be. And Anthony Richardson there, but this is not the strongest division in the NFL. If the Titans want to go out and be super aggressive, they could compete in that division. I just think what he said is probably right. It's probably better. They, I think they have $90 million, by the way, Zach. Mm-hmm. $90 million mm-hmm. to spend to be calculated and kind of take the slower approach is probably the more prudent way for that organization to go. Oh, 100%. And I, I do kind of like what the AFC South is looking at. I, I like to make jokes at their expense, but they all mm-hmm. seem to be – they have their young quarterbacks in place or seemingly in place. You have teams like the Titans, even Houston, have a ton of cap space that they can kind of work with. I think Indy does as well. And it just it, it kind of seems like all the teams are somewhat moving in like the same direction, relatively the same time. Jacksonville did take a step back, but I also think I, I, I agree with you, Sal. Trevor Lawrence, looking back at his season, that poor guy suffered a lot of drops from his wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Good passes just didn't end up getting caught. And so yeah, like the AFC South is is sort of moving in a fun direction. And so now it is like, all right, be smart, be patient, don't kind of you know, press the accelerator down too early because that's when you couldn't get you, you can get yourself into trouble you, you get yourself you know cap strung way too soon way too early you're not a great team yet and yeah even like a team like Houston we heard it yesterday with John Harris they've got to now play a first you know play schedule so they could take a step back yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Hey, I, I know you and I both love C.J. Stroud. W- what do you think about Anthony Richardson? I just I want to see him healthy, Sal. I really do because I think there's so much there for him. I think Shane Steichen as an offensive mind is a wizard. Mm-hmm. But he's got to stay healthy because in the moments when he's on the field, you were like, I see something. There's something there. He he did he did make some wild plays. Right, he reminded me a little bit of Josh rookie year mm-hmm. a couple times mm-hmm. before he got hurt. And I know it wasn't a huge sample size, but even in preseason. But I, I agree with that. But if he does stay healthy, I mean, he still has to grow a little bit as far as a you know a, a passer. But boy, he's got all the athletic traits you look for off the charts. Absolutely. Do want to have some breaking news here uh, regarding okay. the AFC West, and it's the Chiefs. Two things. They have released Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's going to clear up about $12 million in cap space. And then Jordan Schultz here just a few minutes ago from Bleach Report is saying that the Chiefs are placing the franchise tag on LeJarius Sneed. This was somewhat reported yesterday that they may look yep. for a trade now, but it does appear that the Chiefs will be placing the franchise tag on Sneed. Okay, so Legereus Sneed is a really heck of a player, but as it was reported by, I think, Jeremy Fowler yesterday, they will possibly look to see if a team is, you know, interested in trading. Mm-hmm. You do a, a tag-and-trade type of deal there, and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, that's a team that we talk about their receivers, lack of receivers, inconsistent receivers. They are going to be, to me, in the wide receiver market, much like the Buffalo Bills are through this free agency and draft process this year. I wonder if they're in a spot. We, we talk a lot about what, about it with the Bills about being so desperate for wide receiver talent. Really, after Diggs, it's it's a huge question mark now. I I wonder if the Chiefs feel more desperate, or Chiefs fans even feel more desperate because they've actually gone to the draft well. They've tried to get you know high end draft capital into wide receivers, and it's worked somewhat well with Rasheed Rice. We'll see what he is, you know, long term. Really bottomed out with Sky Moore and Travis Kelsey for much of this year, looked like a guy that had one foot in retirement really until the playoffs. And now their defense is coming due to be paid. Chris Jones, that was almost a question mark coming into this year. Ultimately, they get a somewhat deal done to kind of have him play this year. But now that's up Mm -hmm. in the air. Sneed, it it seems more like we're heading towards a trade more than anything else of him being on that team next year. Sure, they have Trent McDuffie. But to me, it almost wonders if the Chiefs are, are going to kind of almost have to do a 180 again where they lean towards offense. And if, if a guy like Adonai Mitchell is is there at 32 or even a Troy Franklin or Brian Thomas Jr., I really could see the Chiefs just being like, nope, we, we've got to go wide receiver. We've got to keep going to that well because this year, Sal, we talked about it a lot. Mahomes was not bad by any means. Obviously, we saw in the playoffs so many drops, so many bad Mental mistakes by wide receivers. I mean, Kadarius Tony kind of became the main character there, but they're a team. I'm, I'm, I am stunned they won the Super Bowl sale. When you look about them, the whole off, the whole regular season, <laughs> it seemed like they could just not get it done. They ended up doing it, but eventually, luck kind of runs out. Teams will start playing you. I don't want to say correctly, but they will stop playing with it, with you with fear because they're going to want to give you your best shot because you keep winning. And I do wonder if that might be coming due soon, and, and they need to go to that wide receiver well again. It's interesting talking about tags and trades. Did you did you hear what the Bengals said about T. Higgins? Did you, I don't know if you, the difference in the way they talk from last year to this year, which is apparently last year, I believe, and I read this for, I think, Joe Goodberry or someone else had written, last year when it came to T. Higgins going to last year of his deal, and there was talk about trading, and I think someone in the organization said, go find yourself your own wide receiver. Like, go find your own wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not touching T. Higgins, right? This year, the tone is... A little bit different, where it seems like, and I don't remember the exact wording, but they basically left the door open to tag and trade T. Higgins. And I wouldn't be surprised. I do not see the Bengals paying Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. 
I don't either. And and maybe that's me having the bias of the ownership kind of like you know they yes, don't pay too. anybody. That that's that that wait, that's the way it's been over years and they mm-hmm. finally did pay Burrow, but we don't know yet until they pay the other guys. I also wonder with the Burrow thing, they may have realized be like, we may have a really bad situation on our hands if we don't pay the quarterback. Like we'll make more money yes. if he's here. But I I think it's partially that for me, and then also I wonder just you know, because the NFL and really professional sports is such a year by year basis. He had a down year, dealt with injuries. You know, down year was partially due to the fact that he had a backup quarterback for much of the year. Injuries you can't really avoid. And I wonder now if they're just sitting there going, we'll, 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 we'll draft somebody else. You know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. And, and I, somewhat to the extent of the wide receiver renaissance that I talk about in college coming to the NFL, I can understand that. But if you have the chance to keep a T. Higgins and keep a Jamar Chase with your already elite quarterback in Joe Burrow, I have a tough time not doing that, Sal. I, I really, really do. I know it's you're putting a lot of cap space into like three guys, mm-hmm. but it would be a really tough sell for me to not want to do that. I mean, if they could, to me, if you could find a team to give you a first round pick for T. Higgins, don't you do that? I that that would be that would be what, what you get a rookie you. contract. Yeah. First round pick. I don't know. I just feel like you're going to have to pay him a lot. Franchise tag is a lot of money already. Mm-hmm. Probably going to have to pay him something, you know, north of that when it comes time for an extension. Um, it's going to be an interesting situation for them, the Cincinnati Bengals, and of course Joe Burrow recovering from his wrist injury as well. All right, we'll take a timeout from here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Scheduled to hear from Brandon Cristal. He should be joining me here when he gets into the convention center room. We are here uh, on the podium floor. And then also, Vinny Bonsignor of Raider Nation Radio. Already caught up with him, so we're going to play that for you as well here on the Northtown Automotive Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Zach Jones, coming at you live from Indianapolis. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.